0: what is going on i want to welcome you from half court for episode 100 i am your host sean murphy alongside my guy troy sergi troy good to see you my friend
1: good to see you sean hey episode 100 like you said triple uh, digits
0: double triple yeah triple pretty cool yeah man, it's surreal. It's crazy. We 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 have some festivities planned. We're going to celebrate a little later. We this is part one of the festivities. Now, you might notice that there's a guy on at the bottom that doesn't quite look like Jeff, I That's because our guy Jeff is out this week. He's got to get his tonsils fixed or whatever excuse he made up because he's better than us. But joining us instead is not only a former national champion, a a head coach in his own right, a recruited player who's been dunked on by players such as Xavier Tillman, my guy, Chris Nobsila! Chris, it's good to see you, my friend. Uh, I appreciate you having me, man.
2: It's good to be back on. Been a minute,
0: yeah, Chris. People might not know this because the podcast has a little has a couple more listeners than than since we started. But Chris, you were the original co-host of From Half Court. You and I back in the day would get on this microphone every week and talk basketball. And dude, it's so good to see you. It's thank you so much for making the time to be here. The reason why Chris stepped aside back then was because. This guy actually coaches basketball. This guy's out actually doing a lot in the basketball world. And dude, seriously, I'm proud of you, man. It's really good to see you again. And a, l- a little fun fact, Troy, Chris and I all went to college together. So, this is going to be a really fun episode. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's um
0: yeah, it's been cool to see. You. Like I said, I haven't been
2: on the podcast, but I've listened to you and seen it grow. It's been really cool. Really cool to see, you, man.
0: Hey, so. I appreciate yeah, it, man. I appreciate it man and honestly we wouldn't we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you know like people like you and and Troy and you know Jeff and like all the people that have you know that have listened and contributed to this podcast seriously man I'm super grateful and part of why I wanted to have you on Chris was just to thank you man for helping get this thing started and believing in me from day 1 it's just yeah man means a lot and you know just excited to be able to be here and talk basketball with you guys but uh Chris I do before we um, before we dive too deep into like talking hoops and getting into the NBA and minutia and all that stuff, I did want you to like did want you to share a little bit. I know you have a, a an extensive AAU history. You've been able to like go up against some guys that are in the league right now. Some guys that are that are that were some prospects. Can you give a little bit of a highlight of some of the players that you've played against? Like because because Chris, you were a stud yourself back when you were in high school and college. Yeah,
2: so <clears throat> I played for Indian Elite Prospects, so traveled a lot, um, played in some really big tournaments, and probably probably the biggest one, or I would not I say biggest star, but it uh, was Miles Bridges. Played against him. Um, I got dunked on real hard by him. <laughs> um, real hard. Um, but, no, he was uh, – it was one of those – I had just gotten hurt. My very first game back, oh. I go over to take. I go over to take a charge. I mean, I kid you not. I'm in the middle of the paint. He just <laughs> he didn't my care. head, knocked <laughs> me over. No call. It should have been a charge. They didn't call anything. Just let it go. And, um, played against him. Played against a bunch of uh, big time D1 guys. And um, yeah, Xavier Tillman. Actually, he was one of the guys that we tried to recruit um or we were at we were recruiting some guys off grand rapids christian uh-huh um and he was already going to state at that time uh-huh but yeah that was pretty cool um but yeah played against a lot of um some of the older guys you hear like eric gordon uh-huh. against his younger brother really so yeah cool stuff played against wiggins um man i guess he's probably up there with bridges
0: but, yeah, yeah I mean, you know, Williams. former number one overall pick, I guess, you know, yeah. that, I guess that might be up there for uh, NBA champion, like, you know, like, yeah, whatever. Eh, yeah, like, yeah like, Golden State Warriors, whatever. Eh, yeah. Yeah. You but, know, casual. Yeah. Stuff.
2: But no, I was, I've been pretty blessed Played in a lot of, guess a lot of good talent and, um, been able to coach a lot of good talent too, fortunately.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. now, like, you know, obviously, uh, you know, you're doing your thing in the high school scene. In Indiana which you know Indiana literally like the basketball Mecca like the basketball world which is crazy to think that with Troy literally being able just to go down to the Pacers fieldhouse or whatever their arena called and watch games for literally five ten dollars a pop I I just can't believe we're we're all gonna have to go to a game next year and mm-hmm. we're gonna have to go to Taco Bell after to see which was more expensive the tickets yeah. or the Taco Bell because I think okay, it's Taco gonna be Bell. the latter Taco <laughs> Bell <laughs> yeah, <it will> be. <laughs>
1: I think, Chris, didn't you say you went to a, a WNBA game and you sat courtside for, like, seven bucks?
2: Oh, yeah. like
1: That was years ago,
2: like, back when the Fever played. Oh. Um, when they were – they were actually, like, good, though, but they were really bad this year. Um, but, yeah, I sat courtside for, like, six bucks. <laughs>
0: That is, that is insane, man. Oh my that gosh. Was
2: like either the year they won the finals or it was the year after something like they were actually like pretty good. But yeah. It was like six bucks.
0: i and, and whereas nowadays I feel like whoever's going to eventually end up with Kate and Clark, there's mm-hmm. no ticket in the house that is going to be $6. Right. Like that is going to be like, that's actually going to be a hot ticket.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, did you see? So I, she's at Iowa obviously. And they yeah. paused their season ticket sales because they were selling them out so quick. Really? That's for next year
0: yeah yeah she's incredible dude so insane like she's a badass which is crazy because like like the the ticket sales for like were the 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 value of tickets for the final four this year were actually higher for the women's final four than they were for the men which is crazy to think about because like it was literally two years ago that they were playing the the tournaments in these bubble situations and the in the in the men's was this super extravagant bubble and like, the women's uh, the women's bubble gym was literally just a dumbbell rack. Mm-hmm. And that, like, literally two years later, they're they're outperforming the men. It's just, like, you know, super cool to see. But, guys, we have a lot of basketball to talk about. We have a lot of things to catch up on. There is a lot that has happened, so let's dive right into it. We always start the podcast talking about Detroit Pistons. And since there's a lot of NBA stuff, I want to quick get the Pistons stuff out of the way so that we could dive in and talk playoffs. I'm really excited to talk about about big men because Chris Knoblet, if you don't know, one of my favorite big men I know, we love talking bigs. So we're going to be doing that. But Chris, I did just let you know, and you did just find this out before the pod, the Pistons on Sunday announced that the Detroit, um, that uh, Dwayne Casey actually announced that he's going to be stepping into the front office in this next season and stepping down as the head coach. And according to Shams, according to Woj, some of the people that are potential candidates for this position are Ime Odoka, Charles Lee, who's the associate head coach for the uh, Milwaukee bucks. There's also Jerry Stackhouse, who was the coach who won a championship with the Raptors. 905 in the G league was a head assistant on a couple, on a couple teams back in, um, back in the 2010s. But also helped lead Vanderbilt to their first conference championship in the SEC since 2013. But guys, uh, but uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts initially. Troy, I'll start with you. Um, when you heard that Dwayne Casey stepped, um, stepped into the front office, what was your initial thoughts and very initial, who is your uh, preferred candidate for the head coach yeah, position? Um... I'm not
1: going to lie, Sean, uh, wasn't a huge, massive surprise to me. Mm -hmm. I think um, all season long, this has kind of been in the back of our heads, moving towards the front. And I guess what was surprising, though, was right after the game. I guess I I thought it would wait a couple of weeks. But, you know, I understand whatever. And especially knowing that Troy Weaver gave the decision to Dwayne Casey to make. Uh, I thought really spoke about volumes to both of their characters of just how much they respect each other and yeah. and just how, how much they're in it together. And, Tom and Gores I think, as well. Right. Yeah. Tom Gores, so him in the mix too. So I think the front office, you know, as a, you know, older guy, you know, aging as he is, I think will be a smart thing. Uh, because too, I think when you have a team like this, a younger face for a coach very well could gel with these younger guys as far as, you know, building another new culture, another identity uh, that it's already been established by a Dwayne Casey. So I think a Dwayne Casey establishing, I guess, uh, you know, making the headway of a culture then having another guy come in um, and take his place. I I think there's some hope here. I think there's some direction from Troy Weaver and Tom Gores and that still have Dwayne Casey in there. And I think just hearing that press conference of knowing what Dwayne Casey thinks about a Cade Cunningham and, and a Jaden Ivey and a Jalen Duran as really young stars in the making, right? And mm-hmm. and knowing that they already have those guys in-house, and now it's just about surrounding them the the right guys with the guys that we have in-house. I trust Dwayne Casey in the front office. I really do. I think this is a, a better fit for him. And, um, you know, it's hard to bring back a guy. I know you're missing a Cade Cunningham. I know you have injuries all year, but a team that wins 17
0: games... It's hard to bring him back. I feel like it's too. hard to say run it back, no matter right. what the circumstances. Correct, correct, correct. Yeah, so. I I think you know with Dwayne Casey and and, and Chris, I would definitely you know I definitely love your perspective on this, just from like an outsider looking in. You know, I I always I always said that you know I never thought that Dwayne Casey was the problem in Detroit. You know, I, I you know people, I I never made the argument that he was necessarily the solution either. But I what I did say is. I think Dwayne Casey was like the best coach for these first couple years of the rebuild in the sense that he's a steady hand. He's a he's a veteran that knows how to build programs. He's had, you know, he has a resume of helping young players, you know, excel and to and to develop. And I think, you know, even though this team didn't really have much success in the winning column, I think you saw exactly that out of the young prospects they have in the roster. I mean, Jaden Ivey from game one to game 82 is a totally different player. Jalen Dern at just 19 years old, looks like one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. I mean, like I still think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic here. And I think whoever's like potentially following up Dwayne Casey is in a really good spot. What were, what are your yeah. thoughts?
2: Yeah. So I, uh, I really like Dwayne Casey. Of course he won that coach of the year with the Raptors back in 18. Yep. So, coached some good players, had a really good team. And I think, you know, like I said, this comes coming from an Indiana guy, not a Pistons guy too, but he, I think, was the perfect guy for for that job because, and you know, Jaden Ivey, he's one that I think <clears throat> he's going to be an absolute stud. And, like, you could tell when he was at Purdue that just the way he played, he could absolutely take over games. I mean, even now I think, you know, they had Zach Eady who really took over this year and they had some guys, but he was – he was a whole different monster in games. Um,
0: yeah, they, as good as Purdue was this year, they were just a different dynamic level when mm-hmm. when he was there. Like I think well, I, that tournament upset, you could tell the, how much they missed a guy like Jaden Ivey. Yeah, because
2: he could get to. I mean, he can get to the rim, finish above the rim, create his own shot. Kind of. I mean, he's exactly what you want from a you know point guard, shooting guard, whatever you want to call him. So he can do it all, mm-hmm. but and he's got good size on him too. Um, but I think. You Know, I think uh, Jerry Stackhouse would be a very interesting one for me. Him playing for the Pistons, um, yeah, back in the day, that'd be pretty cool. Um, and, hell of a uh, basketball mind, too. Yeah, yep. And what, what was the guy? I'm sorry, the guy from no, Boston what was his. No, name you're again?
0: okay. Ime Odoka, Ime Odoka.
2: Yeah, I think he was the first one we talked about this earlier that popped yeah. my mind because he was in that first, you know, round. We kind of talked about it be a full circle sort of thing, yeah, came yeah. He was um,
0: the he was the other final candidate with Dwayne Casey back when Casey was hired. So, yeah, it would yeah, definitely I be full circle.
2: He's a really he's a young coach with a really good basketball mind too. I mean, but you look at what he's had. He's I mean, he's got a lot of talent with Tatum and you know and uh, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. He's got a lot of talent, but he's those guys really stepped up under his coaching. Oh they, yeah, they grew I mean, a lot. I mean, as good Tatum.
0: as I mean, as good as Joe Missoula has been so far I mean like you can't take anything away from you know a team that's top two or top three in their conference they still just inherently look like they miss Ime Odoka. like like especially like their Mm -hmm. you know like their defensive prowess and everything that they brought but also I mean Will Hardy too I mean like gosh what a coach he's been for the for the jazz and everything that they've done but you know yeah, I, I think you know I, I I tweeted this earlier with um you know like my my very initial thoughts like I I agree with you Chris. My mind went right to you know Ime Odoka and 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 Jerry Stackhouse. Like those are the two guys inherently you know that my name went to. Obviously Charles Lee you know head associate coach you know with the Bucks with Mike Budenholzer. I'm sure he would be an excellent option if Troy Weaver was in, if if Troy Weaver ultimately were to go with him, I would more than trust. That decision, but obviously I would always prefer to go with someone who has head coaching experience, let alone successful head coaching experience, and it's hard to beat getting to the finals in your first year. Now, the other side of this is if you're going to choose Ime Odoka, you have to make sure it's the right call because he quite literally left the Boston Celtics hanging at the beginning of the year. And if that was almost any other franchise, that could have tanked their entire season. So, like, that's something that, like, you know, like that, like alters a franchise. So, I I obviously, I don't think, you know, like, I think he knows that he can't screw up his next chance. But at the same time, you know, you have to, you you have to do some extreme vetting and due diligence. Do you not? Yeah. If he
2: if he screws this one, because yeah, he he really. Let's be honest. He screwed the he screwed the Celtics right there. Yeah, but um, yeah. He's I mean
0: his coaching career is done, right?
2: I mean it has to be right. Yeah, <laughs> you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, mean, like this is this is quite there. literally like I mean it's not a three strikes and you're out like league. It's like no, like at this point you you have to be successful in your next in your next position. You know, and like yeah, if think, you don't win, you're done. Yeah, exactly. And you know, like I know Odoka, It was mentioned in Houston Rockets' job as well, but like I just think where I just think where where it would make a little more sense for him to be in Detroit is just because I think just that defensive mentality, that identity, just fits the like I just think it fits his philosophy better in Detroit than it does in Houston. I personally think for Houston, and I would love to know your guys' thoughts because they also announced that they're not going to be moving forward with Steven Silas. I think Kenny Atkinson would be awesome with the Houston Rockets. You guys agree? Yeah,
1: yeah, that'd be cool. And back to the Pistons quick, too. I I want to make it clear that I trust Troy Weaver and Tom Gores and now Dwayne Casey in this coaching hiring process. Of course. It is such a crucial, pivotal moment in the Pistons franchise right now of a turning point this summer. We've talked about 2023 being the year. That if it's Emu uh, Odoka or if it's uh, the Bucks uh, head assistant, no matter what is, cho- uh, whoever is chosen for the job, there's going to be extreme vetting, extreme vetting, Oh yeah, extreme uh, interrogating questions, right? Of what you're going to do with a Cade Cunningham, what your vision is with the team, how you're going to mix uh, with the big men. And and if you, know, if you bring back a Wiseman with a Durin and just all the stuff we've talked about on the podcast those are going to be very serious questions that, um, you know, management is going to be asking uh, a candidate for a coach. Right. And I just, I just think this is, would be an exciting time. If I'm a coach looking for a team of, of, I would be excited to apply for a Detroit because of the, the young incoming talent. And depending on where we landed, the draft is even going to make things even crazier. Yeah.
0: Let's be honest that, that lottery chip. I mean, no matter what, like the, the Pistons have a top five pick in this draft, no matter what. So if you're a yeah. coach, if you're a coaching candidate, how do you not look at that and go, I have a 14% chance at Wemby? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Should I apply for the, for the Pistons job? Yeah. Do it, yeah. I mean, Chris, you are on the market.
1: <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Sean, you are going to be coaching. I, D1 I'm not one sweating day, by over way, this decision. No, I'm not sweating over this decision of who the Pistons hire. I think it's going to be the right one. Yeah, I really have faith.
0: Yeah, and I think so, too, because in in, in the reason why, like, Chris, you in like, Chris, we talk about this with like almost any other sport. It's it's all about it's all about having the right guy from the top down. Right. It's all about having that clear vision and that clear ownership. And I think one thing, you know, like, especially like even like on Tom Gore's end, you know, like, obviously he has like not not everything's been perfect ever since Tom Gore's has taken over. But in the last few years. He has brought in legitimate basketball people and has trusted them to make basketball decisions and to build a basketball program. And, you know, and I think, you know, like, especially like with Troy Weaver, especially since he's taken over, like, yes, you can look at the records, the win, like the wins losses, like that isn't great. But you look at the amount of talent just since 2020 alone. I mean, may I remind people the Pistons, the, when, when Troy Weaver took the job, his best, his best prospects were Luke Kennard, Bruce Brown and Sfema McKayluke. Now Yikes. he has Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivy, Jalen Duren, Isaiah Stewart, Killian Hayes. And that's like, and that's not even getting into like the, the assets that they have, like, you know, the, the, the $30 million in cap space, the number, you know, the top lottery odds they have this off season. Like for the first time in a while, the Pistons actually have a direction. Um, but on the other side, it's like, you know, like it's, this is just as important as the number one pick process, because like you said, Troy, I mean, like this is going to be the guy that's going to help, you know, shape these guys' careers. It's going to be making a lot of the decisions. I mean, it's a high pressure job, man. There's a reason why only 30 of these jobs exist. So, you know, it's, it's definitely going to be their most important hire, perhaps in franchise history. Yeah. Honestly, I agree. So I'm I'm super excited about it. Another team I, I do want to get your guys' thoughts real quick on the Pacers, just because Chris, obviously you being you know you being a Pacers fan, Troy being able to be. I know you're shaking your head, Chris. They're they're still in a good spot, man. I know no, they actually had a good year. They did. They did. I know it didn't. I know. I know. I know, I know it probably started better than it ended, but I mean overall, mm-hmm. like, I mean. Benedict Matherin and Tyrese Halliburton, there's a yeah. lot of reason to be optimistic with what you're cooking.
2: Well, yeah, Matherin, I mean, obviously he was – I mean, I was really excited when I picked him, but Halliburton just had a an incredible year. I mean, and Buddy Heald had a pretty good year, too. Um, yeah. And then signed Miles Turner, you know, back to that extension, which I did not see happen. I thought he was – Same. I thought he was gone. Out. Same. Yeah. But he, he won this whole thing. He's like, yep, love the city, and they signed that huge deal, which – you know, he had a pretty good year too. I would have been fine with him leaving, you know, early in the year, but right. pretty a good year. But Halliburton, man, he he's a stud. <laughs> he's the truth. He's good. Yeah, yeah he I
0: is. I I told I uh, I Troy and I talk about this pretty you know pretty regularly. I you know like I I still think with you know like I one my my take of calling the Sacramento trade one of the worst trades in NBA history is looking awful cold right now. However. I would still maintain, like, even though like Sacramento might be like, may have won the battle in the sense that they're the better team this year, they're like, you know, they got what they wanted. They're, you know, they're a top seed in the Western Conference. I still think Indiana is going to win the war with that trade because, you know, I just think Tyrese Halliburton's a future MVP candidate, and I see no world where De'Aaron Fox or Demontis Sabonis get even close to that. So, yeah, uh, I think this is about as good as the Kings can be, and I think with the Pacers, especially if they if they you know, get a solid draft selection this summer. If they, you know, if they keep Rick Carlisle, which, by the way, the fact they have Rick Carlisle isn't, like, just, yeah, I'll come back to Indiana. Why not? Like, insane. So, like, you guys are in a good spot, man. You really are. Yeah, they, uh, yeah,
2: him coming back was, I think, one of the, I mean, it's the same thing in Detroit, right? You know, it does start from the top, and he's a, I mean, He's had, he's got the resume. He's got the, you know, he, he knows what he's doing back in the early two thousands. He had, you know, those Pacers teams, there a bunch of thugs on those teams, but like they were, uh, you know, they were good. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, so he knows how to, you know, coach and honestly, those guys, they weren't the best players in the league. They weren't right. But they knew how to play together and, and win games and he knows how to bring those guys together.
0: Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, he's, he's an insanely crafty coach. He knows, you know, he knows how to help stars, you know, propel and take to the next level to be able to go. I mean, you know, at first when going to Indiana, it's like, you know, it's my, it might be like leaving Luka Doncic, I'm sure feels really hard, especially when you go back to Indianapolis, but then, you know, to, to, to have a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, that is not a bad consolation prize, man, especially because that guy can actually play defense but, yep. well,
2: and I mean, especially with Dallas is right now, because I mean, they even got Kyrie and can't.
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, can't get yeah. anything together. Oh, believe oh, me, man. we are going to be. Oh, believe me, that is, that is a situation we're going to be talking about here in a minute. But I, guys, I can't possibly move forward much longer without talking about this Rudy Gobert thing. I literally texted Chris as of recording this, like, because this happened literally a day before we we're recording this. I texted Chris last night and I said, this felt like a Christmas present. The fact that this happened, not only, you know, like right at the end of the season, but also right before we bring Chris on. Because, oh man, do I love making fun of Rudy Gobert. And oh boy, do I love doing that with Chris. Chris, the Timberwolves are a disaster, man. I mean, we, we, I think, I don't think when the trade happened, I don't think we said a single positive thing about it on this podcast. I don't think we ever have said a single positive thing about this trade. And look, I think we have enough evidence at this point to say, and, and I say this, you know, like from like a, like, you know, it seems like Rudy Gobert and I say this like, you know, like professionally speaking is a dick and it seems like everyone hates playing with him. And now that he's not a generational defensive player, or, or, you know, even a guy that's much better than a Walker Kessler anymore. It seems to me like Minnesota just has to be feeling all sorts of buyers remorse. And not only that, but to have your best, you know, your your best, you know, defensive perimeter player in Jalen McDaniels, just walk to the walk to the locker room, punch the wall and break a shooting hand. All of this to happen in one quarter in the final game of the year, a consequential one at that
2: right
1: before your play in game, <laughs>
0: like the entire reason you pay, you played this season to begin with and you fumble it quite literally on the goal line. Like, what are we
2: doing here? Literally. Well, it, here's, here's my thing too. It's, you know, he hits Kyle Anderson. And that was one of the softest encounters <laughs> I have ever seen in my entire life. Like he hit him and ran away. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I mean, and that I've... was like, I mean, that's honestly though, when we talk about this early, you know, early on in the podcast is, but who wants to play with this guy anymore? Yeah, you know, nobody. Yeah, wants to play with him. So, but then you know, I saw today the they, you know. Aren't letting him travel with the team, he can't
0: play for the playing game. And it's just
2: like Yeah. Yeah. Sign this contract or it's crazy,
0: man. A guy that they traded five picks, additional players, pick swaps, like a yeah, franchise guy, right? Yeah. Like yeah. all this all these assets, you're not even he's not even traveling with the team to the playing game. That's how that's how irritated. They are with him right now. Now, technically, he would be able to return for the second playing game, but now you have a larger issue in the sense. I mean, yes, like this offseason, if you have to make a decision between Rudy Gobert or Kyle Anderson, well, sorry, Kyle, but you know, like at this point, they just they they quite literally can't trade Rudy's contract. There's nobody in the league. You you you. I don't think you could even give the assets that they gave away to get Rudy Gobert. I don't think you could give those to a team to take Rudy Gobert right now, especially with the contract that he has, especially with the play that he showed this year. And, like, this is a team that clearly, like, like, like when Rudy Gobert left, they started playing better. Like, Carl anthony Towns looked re-energized. Like he looked, like, he looked like life was good again. <laughs> this guy just sucks the soul of every locker room he's in. And those two guys together,
2: there should not be a there should not be a rebound that any other team has with those two, you know what I mean? Yep. And like they especially, I mean Carl Anthony Towns, uh, he can do it all, he's a good player, but yeah, I mean, Rudy Gobert, I mean, especially in even shots at the rim, there should be no. They should be blocking every shot at the rim, you know? Or at mm-hmm. least fouling somebody, you
0: know. Right. <laughs> but,
2: But like, I mean, there was no, that was the, that was the big issue. You know, the college was like, dude, why are you not rebounding? Right. That was the big thing. It's like, dude, you're seven feet tall.
0: Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Also he's like, yeah. Kyle Harris is like, Hey, can you block a shot? Like, Hey, like you're, you know, you're seven feet tall. Like in, and like, apparently like the reason why Rudy apparently took offense to it was because he was playing injured or whatever, but it's like, you know, quite like it's, it's one thing when, you know, you have a guy that unexpectedly just comes out and is like being like, a, a, a Dick tea on the, like on the, on the sideline. It's a whole other thing when this is like, when this is who Kyle Anderson is. And then literally a day before there's this quote from Rudy Gobert talking about Kyle Anderson's leadership approach saying, Kyle Anderson's a really blunt guy. And I don't take it to heart because he's just trying to help Rudy be the best Rudy that I can be. And I fully support that. Like he quite like that, that quote, Came out the day before that game. And not only does... Like, and it's, and I, I literally texted Chris. I was like, how on brand for Rudy Gobert to throw the most bitch punch in the most important circumstances, like, at the absolute worst time. And, like, I mean, all I'm saying is, Donovan Mitchell this year looks phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Like, 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 I... Like as far as like who like who deserves blame or what the heck happened in Utah, I if, if I'm the owner of the jazz, I'm writing so many apology letters to, to Donovan Mitchell. Like I it's like I'd be running out of ink, man.
1: And that that's so crazy because we even talked about, you know, whose fault is it? Remember we had a couple segments last year around this time of is it a Donovan Mitchell fault? Is it a Rudy Gobert fault? And I think we came to consensus that it's like maybe like 75% Rudy Gobert and 25 Yeah, like like Mitchell. the truth
0: somewhere in the middle. The water's yeah. a little bit murky. Nah, ain't no. murky anymore,
2: fam. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Absolutely. And and I think seeing how much Mitchell is excelling this season, giving the true keys to the franchise like Cleveland has been doing. Dude.
0: Well, also playing, you know, with two really good bigs yeah. themselves that don't seem like dicks right yeah 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 exactly so you know like i like it's in, in and again it's not hard to see why the timberwolves made the trade or why they did what they did alex rodriguez and the new ownership group came in after anthony edwards put on this awesome performance in the playoffs against the memphis grizzlies and instead of going hey this was a great playoff run, a solid foundational year for us to build on and incrementally develop this team so that when Anthony Edwards is ready to take the mantle, wait, what's that? They traded six first round picks. Wait, what? They, they gave up all of our future assets and the only way we can salvage this is by trading Carl Anthony Towns at some point because you realize that's their only option to salvage this, right? Like they're going to have to trade. Nice. Right, and 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 have it be
1: majority picks that they're getting in return.
0: Yeah, which because like they because I mean Chris, I'm not a coach, but in what world does it make sense when you have a center whose entire skill set and entire danger is predicated on being a mismatch nightmare for bigs and being able to really dominate it like on the perimeter? Why would you make that guy be a power forward so that you like that quite literally no longer is a mismatch nightmare that's no longer really in the equation? Why would you make a guy who sucks defensively guard guys who are even more athletic and even more dangerous on that end? Like what? Like what like like, like there's just nothing on like from an X's and O's standpoint that said schematically like yes, in a vacuum, like you said, they should be getting all the rebounds defensively. Like you you could see like what they were thinking in their head, maybe, but it's like, there's just been too many trades over the last couple of years where I just go, I'm sorry, do you guys actually like, look at how basketball's being played? And like, this is like at the top of the list.
2: Well, you know, and it's, it's just bad coaching, but you know what? I had a player this year that she's, you know, phenomenal athlete. She could play pretty much anywhere on the floor, but it's like, it's the same here. You don't put players in positions to get exposed, right? You know, I mean, you put you do that to other players, and you that's use it like, as a weapon. You like you you yeah. build the
0: team to to create as many mismatches as humanly possible.
2: Yeah, and and it was, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you can blow past someone on the perimeter, or if there's someone small, you put them in the post. But it's like in that case, like, what do you got? Are you trying to tank? I mean which I guess,
0: you know, teams are doing that, <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: which we can get into that.
0: <laughs> yeah, we definitely can. I mean, you know, like, but the problem is if Minnesota's trying to tank, they pretty much traded all their picks away, mm-hmm. like for the last, like for like the next decade, like they're all in on this guy. I mean, and, and listen, no, no, there, there, there have been very few centers in the history of the league. I believe there's no center that's made the all-star game on the other side of 30 who's been an all-star on the other side of 30 and when you're a guy like Rudy Gobert and you already weren't the greatest on the offensive end and now you're starting to take even like you're starting to just steadily decline more and more and more like you know that it's it's the same thing with it's it's similar to Russell Wilson right where it's like you like what if you're great and ignorant it's one thing because you have your play that goes and backs it up right but if nobody likes you and you stink, it's a little bit of a different conversation, right? Yeah. So for him, it was like, it was all defense with him,
2: right? Yeah. It was, it was literally all, there was no offense, you know, it's like he he put up his 10, 12, you know, maybe, but it was, they were banking on, you know, a defensive player of the year, which he did have. Yeah. But a couple of them. Yeah. But yeah, it's, that was a, nightmare
0: they were not (laughs) they were not (laughs) counting on him to have his lowest block totals since his rookie year they were not counting on that so i mean
2: i would say i feel bad but i I really don't
0: no you know at all well no because like it's like i feel bad for the fans because like they're the real ones suffering i mean like i like you, you you like you especially like this time last year like things were looking up From the Minnesota Timberwolves, and then it's like, oh no, what? Like, like once I saw that package, it's like, oh wow, Minnesota went and got Donovan Mitchell. I was like, wait, they traded for the other guy in Utah with all that. (laughs) Like, you got to think they were talking all this time about Donovan, and they're like, all right, well, we put all this stuff in the cart already. Could this get us Rudy Gobert? (laughs) You put Donovan Mitchell and Anthony Edwards together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, 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 God forbid that, Chris. Let's put Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns together. That's the day that's the duo we want.
1: But we knew from day one, Sean, that that wasn't gonna work. I mean we got we got Greg Monroe, Andre Drummond vibes right off the bat, didn't we? <laughs> oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah. One hundred percent. Speaking of something I at least I knew wasn't gonna work from day one. I I, I kinda wanna I kinda wanna take my quick victory lap on this one. The Dallas Mavericks suck. I I, I, I want to, like, Troy, do you remember what I said right after the trade deadline? Basketball yeah, is not played on paper.
1: It's going to set uh, defense back 50 years, you said. <laughs>
0: the only thing I got wrong is they set it back 70. They they, they they went back even further than even I could have anticipated. I mean, and, and the and guys, here's the tricky thing. Kyrie Irving did everything right. He was fine when he was in Dallas. It's Mark Cuban. It's Luca. It's the front office. It's Jason Kidd. It's everything else around it. I mean, guys, the Dallas Mavericks, they like, I think Dirk Nowitzki might be shielding the fact that this has been one of the worst run organizations over the past 20 plus years.
2: Well, I don't know how you put two. I mean, Honestly, two of the best, if not the best, point guards in the league together, you know. And I mean, you're right, they suck, they're bad. But I mean, like, I was telling somebody, I, I don't even remember who it was, but it's like, you put two players like that, it's not going to work. They both have to have the ball, you yeah. know. And Luca can't get his triple doubles, and um, Kyrie's not going to get his, you know, 25 or 30 points a game. It's just not going to happen. And those guys have to, you're, that's the best way to put it those. It's not on paper.
0: Yeah, that's the best way to put it. You got to have your role, guys. Yeah, um, well, well, because it, it's 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 all about not only like is it about like, you know, like, like yes, having a star next year, you know, next to your superstar is important, but it's about having the right star. Like we like I think if any if, if this year has taught us anything. I think it's it's shown us how, how for one, how good Jalen Brunson is. But number two, how important Jalen Brunson is. I mean, before the Knicks, you know, brought in Jalen Brunson last year, they were sitting outside of the play-in. All of a sudden they bring in Jalen Brunson. He, they talk about how much he's this human connector. He's this amazing guy behind the scenes. You know, now all of a sudden the Knicks are this are, are you know, are actually a in, in the four and five seed in the in the in the Eastern Conference. They're not even a play-in team. Like, they're actually really good. Helped them get to helped Dallas get to the conference finals last year. And now they can't even get to the play-in tournament. Like, as good as Kyrie is, they are missing Jalen Brunson so badly. It's insane. But also, trading Dorian Finney Smith was insanely stupid. Mm-hmm. Ungodly stupid. Because that team if you talk about like because it's not like this team next year is like oh well you know they have the they have what the 10th pick in the draft possibly to work with and then all of their money is pretty much going to have to go towards re-signing Kyrie which by the way they ha- they're losing a leverage battle to Kyrie Irving that's how bad their franchise is is, is in right now. They're losing a leverage game to Kyrie. So we're saying Mark Cuban needs to stick to short tank. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> For those reasons, I'm out on Mark I mean, Cuban. Sean, is
2: there any world
1: where you you straight up don't negotiate a Kyrie contract in order to save your money to get... A duo that's mediocre to come along, Luca, that may be good on the defensive end, some three and D kind of stuff. Is that a scenario where you have to look at it uh, if you're a Mavericks fan or Mavericks GM?
0: It is a scenario, but here's the problem with that scenario question. I turn it right back around, like I I turn that scenario right back around, and I say, who? Like 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 at this point, if you're going to open up that spot. And, and you're going to try and and attack the free agency market, you know, set aside the fact that, uh, that, you know, really for all intents and purposes, there aren't really any stars that you can go get or, or complementary pieces that fit that level. Like sure. There's like ancillary pieces like Dallas, if they wanted to, like, instead of, you know, like instead of putting all their money into like a max level star, like maybe they could go get some like solid wing players to play alongside Luka Doncic, but at the same time, like, you know, like even like a guy like uh like like Cam Johnson for the for the Nets, like he's gonna have to be a sign and trade guy because the Nets have some leverage. Like, Dallas won't have anything to give up in that, right? Like, you know, like I, I just think at, at the end of the day, their options are so limited that the scenario of, of losing a Kyrie Irving, especially with the context of of how bad the Jalen Brunson loss was. I just think it would be devastating because there's already whispers of Luca of Luca, potentially requesting a trade as soon as next season. Right. The and whole
1: world would shake. The whole league would shake if Luca requested that if, trade, if,
0: if you are in a situation where that's even being muttered, you are in a yeah. very, very sticky situation.
2: I don't think they realized, you know, I mean, like you said, I mean, and Julius Randle had a huge year, too, so that helped with the Knicks, but um, how important – I mean, Jalen Brunson's a good player, but there's a lot more than just on the court. I don't mm-hmm. think they realize what he did, you know, off the court, just bringing guys together, the chemistry part of things, and that's just – I mean, you see it at every level, but, I mean, even at the pro level, it's not just a talent thing. Um, yeah. And, but he, he can play, man. He's Jalen Brunson's a hooper. Yeah. good.
0: I, I always reference the um, the um, one of my favorite. I'm going. I'm still reading, and I, I and, and this just reminds me. I need to go back and keep reading the book of basketball. But um, still, my favorite chapter is him talking to Isaiah Thomas, and t- and, he, and and it says the secret the the secret to winning basketball is that it has nothing to do with basketball, and it and it does, and it has to do with the team dynamics. It has to do. You know, with the players that are in the locker room, all having a unified vision and, and and being about something that's bigger than themselves. And I know a lot of times we look at, you know, we look at guys in the in the league and we just go, that guy's a bucket. We should get him. And it's like, yeah, there's a lot of guys in this league that are buckets. But at the end of the day, like when you're putting together a team, it's like, like you said, like you can't just build it on paper. Like, yes, if you were to look at solely the talent and if I were playing 2 K. It would be fun to put together Luca and Kyrie if I'm just looking to screw around on my couch, right? But in actuality, if we're talking about, okay, well, who do I have in my locker room? Who can help cultivate talent? Who can help bring people together? Like, as good as Kyrie Irving is on the court, there like we've just seen, there is nothing he can do off the court that can match the impact that Jalen Brunson clearly had in Dallas. Right, like well, everywhere Kyrie's been, I mean,
2: and you look everywhere he's been, it's locker room issues everywhere. Cleveland, so,
1: Boston, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. The yeah. only situation
0: everywhere. where Kyrie thrived was where he didn't have to be any leadership, where LeBron was in that spot. And listen, we love Luca as a player. He's not a leader, and 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 as and as awesome as he is right now, he still has his immaturities in his game. I mean, there's times where he straight up doesn't go past the free throw line and transition defense. I mean, I like, like like, scouts have called... There is a scout that is called Luka Doncic, the worst transition defender in NBA history. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and that might, that might not be hyperbole. So, like, yeah. and, and so, you know, again, like that that's far outweighed by everything else Luka does because Luka is quite... Luca is the Dallas Mavericks, which is which was the exact problem when they let Jalen Brunson go in the first place. You know, again, I'm 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 fascinated to see where they take this. But on the other hand, I mean, to even try to begin to wrap your mind around what a Luka Doncic trade would look like. I mean, the only teams that have the assets, in my opinion, to even like consider that type of thing. Would be the like would be the Thunder, would be the Jazz, would be any of these teams that somehow got like eighty seven million first round picks.
1: Dude, be- imagine SJ uh SGA and, uh, SGA and Giddy and Luca. Oh, they would
0: have to give up one of they would have to give up one of them. Oh yeah. One of sga Yeah. They would have to, they if 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 they're going for Luca, they would you know they would have a very hard probably time Giddy. holding on to. They'd, they'd probably have
1: to give up Giddy, yeah.
0: Yeah, at the very least. That Jalen
1: Williams. Mm-hmm.
0: And, yeah. I, by the way, Josh Giddy, Jalen Williams, two guys I love, man. We, we talk about so. Let's let's actually talk some positive basketball. Basketball now. We got the playoffs. You know we we were we were just talking about crap crap fest for like the last forty five minutes. Let, let's let's focus on the playoffs, man. We finally made it. And I mean, specifically looking at the play-in tournament. I mean, we got we got the Lakers, we got the Timberwolves, but we also have the New Orleans Pelicans, and we also have the Oklahoma City Thunder. And I mean, Shea, Gilgis Alexander, without question, the breakout star in in the NBA this year. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but every time I watched SGA play, my I mean. I was just in awe like there was I I can't recall a situation this this season where SGA was was outmatched or where he looked like he couldn't do anything like he he always looks like he can get to his spots he always is making the right decisions I mean he has like he has like the mentality of a traditional point guard with the body of a wing He's everything you want in a franchise player. Yeah. He, sorry, Troy. I feel like I keep
2: interrupting or not letting you talk, but um, he kind of reminds me, I mean, he's older, but what Jaden Ivy could be or will be. I see a lot of what Cade
0: Cunningham could be. Yeah. In in SGA. I
2: mean, mean, they, uh, yeah, he's, he's one of those guys. I think you said it right. He's, he always seems to be offensively and defensively. He's always in the right spot. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's, Um, which defense, you know, NBA defense is sort of hit and miss, you know, what what you get, but, you know, he can always get to, he's going to find the ball in the right spot. He's going to come off screens the right way. He's going to run the floor, play defense, which, um, yeah, a franchise player. I mean, who would have thought, you know, coming out of college, obviously somebody saw it, Yeah, but but he's, yeah, he's really had a breakout year.
0: Yeah. I mean, honestly, like back, I, I, I remember back in 2019 when I woke up and saw the, the news that the, that the Clippers traded for Paul George and that they gave up a guy named Shea Gildas Alexander and a ton of picks. And, you know, like looking back now, like obviously I remember that year where the Thunder were playing with Chris Paul. I remember just thinking, what are they doing? This is a total waste of time. But now, looking back... You can see those Chris Paul fingerprints all over SGA's game, especially, you know, just his playmaking, his decision-making, his love in the mid-range, like, just the thunder took him in and did everything right with his development. And now, you know, it feels like every summer moving forward, they have 15 of the 30 first-round picks in the draft, they you know, they, they got another guy who looks like he can be a star in Jalen Williams that's just a rookie. They have Josh Giddy, who, in my opinion, is a guy that can also be a star in his own right. And then you have my favorite player from last year's draft in Chet Holmgren getting ready to come back and wreak havoc in the NBA. This team, man, their runway is ridiculous. Because they have all the picks, they have all the flexibility, they have they have everything they need to build a contender and more. Everything. And, and with hurt
2: Chet Holmgren, they still are in that.
1: Right. That that's idiot, what's crazy. Right? Chris. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. With they hurt Chet Holmgren, I mean, I mean Troy. It just is hard to picture any other team in the West like being able to stop these guys if they build this out right
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think so and, and talking to those picks you know i'm not convinced they're gonna use every single exactly right they're gonna use it to bring in talent through trade um and signing trades too whatever um but i i, I do think it, it's gonna be a fun couple of years and uh, i know we joked with cohen hey can't wait for a thunder pistons finals but Give it four or five years, Sean. A joke might become a reality. I mean,
0: I I, I feel pretty comfortable at, at the very least right now that the Thunder are going to be in that position over the next few years because, like you said, the 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 picks they have as far as like the ability to trade. Not only that, but also you know if if they were inclined to go and get a superstar or an all star to go like you know to pair alongside SGA. I mean, guys like Jalen Williams you know got like you know prospects that they had like they have like unlimited trade chips it feels like like they just have every they they have everything they have everything literally everything it just it feels like they it, it feels like any kid that's coming up into the league right now should be like going on the on the like on on the NBA website and, like, making a, a Thunder jersey just so they know what it looks like just because every kid that will be drafted over the next five years is going to be an Oklahoma City Thunder. I mean, that's just how – it, it, it's that's just the way it feels, man. It's nuts. It really is. But, I mean, I, I personally, like, regardless of what happens in the playing tournament, I, I'm excited to see, you know, where they go. But on the flip side, guys, all that Minnesota talk, you know, like everything that's happened with them, the Los Angeles Lakers get to host that Minnesota Timberwolves team and for all intensive purposes are being gifted an opportunity to go play a wounded Memphis Grizzlies team and I mean guys we could be talking about the Los Angeles Lakers going from being the travesty that they were just three months ago could the Lakers represent the Western Conference?
1: I still don't think so. I don't think so either. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> the all. fact that that's even a
0: conversation sure. tells you how yeah, the terrible switch, the, switch the West
1: happened. is. The switch happened, and, and 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 it came in a time where we were expecting a switch in the West to be a Dallas. Right. And we thought that the Lakers were just going to cruise in the direction that they were. And maybe the Mavericks were were to turn on the switch. But instead, the team that we've been very critical of the past two seasons, three seasons, um, was the team that really turned everything off. And, and to a degree, you know, when you have the talent like a LeBron James, who's, you know, getting back into the swing of things now after an injury and Anthony Davis, who hasn't missed uh, a ton lately, uh, at least in the past month. Hey, if you if it finally is taking you 3 years to click and this is the right time to click. So, uh it's true. Yeah. This is the right time to yeah. click. So, yeah.
0: Well, I think also, Chris, it's amazing what happens when you surround LeBron James with the right pieces to complement him, right? It's amazing what happens when you give that guy some shooting and defense. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? It's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's almost like the blueprint yeah. was there for him the entire time. Yeah, weird, huh? Yeah,
2: crazy. Uh, Yeah, he, um, you know, LeBron, I mean, you put Anthony Davis, you got, you know, obviously LeBron's the, you know, one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah. Um, And then Anthony Davis, incredible when he's healthy. And then um, there were a lot of other pieces there that, you know, they, on any other team, I don't think they would be good, (laughs) to be honest. Yeah. Um, um, but when you find when you have a playmaker like LeBron or even Anthony Davis that has a big
0: can find shooters, um, I mean, or you know find cutters. You, I mean, Austin you know. Reeves. I feel like just straight up is a guy that you know you yeah. like like I I don't think he would have ever gotten the opportunities that he would have gotten if he wasn't mm-hmm. a Laker just because of the you know the 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 needs that they had on the roster, but the revelation that he's been. Because of the looks that he gets from guys like LeBron and and being around guys like Anthony Davis. But I mean, you know, you talk about too, Jared Vanderbilt. That guy is a S T U D stud. And I mean, you know, like looking at what the Lakers have, you know, like as far as decisions this upcoming offseason, like I wouldn't want to go get Kyrie Irving because I don't want to screw up having guys like Jared Vander Vanderbilt on their roster. And I mean, even D'Angelo Russell, that second overall pick all these years later is finally starting to pay off. We don't have to talk about the fact that they had to give up picks to go and, and, and players to go get their old second overall pick back. You know, we don't have to talk about why he left in the first place and all the awkward stuff with him and Nick young. Remember that back in the day with him and Iggy.
1: Do I do. Yeah.
2: Nick Young or, uh, was it D'Angelo Russell? He is not, uh, had the best reputation. No,
0: <laughs> but you know what? He's been hoping and, and people could say what they want, but like, you know, like really after like that Lakers run, like I know that didn't go the way everyone wanted it to go, but he was really solid in Brooklyn when he was in a really good system. The Warriors were never a good fit for him in the first place. The Timberwolves are a terrible situation, but even then he still had some moments where he could hoop. I mean, being around LeBron, Anthony Davis, the most talented roster he's ever been on. I think this is a perfect role for like D'Angelo Russell, and you know, I still think that if Kevin Durant's healthy, the Phoenix Suns, even even with the limited experience they have, have to be the favorites in that conference. But I mean, even even against a Denver, I think this is an intriguing series. But on the other hand, I mean, speaking of the bigs, Chris, we're finally there: Jokic, Embiid, Giannis, all these guys leading the the MVP charge. One of my favorite episodes you and I ever did was we just spent this episode talking all about big men. It's all about bigs. If you want to go find that, it's on Spotify. You can scroll all the way deep into the pantheon of the From Half Court episodes if you want to hear more conversations like this between Chris and I. But Chris, I want to get your thoughts on this because we talked about it a little bit on the pod over the last couple of weeks, just the evolution of the big men and you know, we, we talked about how like, you know, like a few years ago, obviously with the small ball era, everyone thought it was the death of the big man. At the very least, it's, you know, I think if anything, it's been the death of the traditional big man. But I mean, Chris, I just think we've seen that position completely evolve and change over the last five years. What have been yeah. your thoughts?
2: Yeah. So I think, and it's not just changing at the pro level, it's changing at college and high school level too. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to play at the next level. Because, I mean, you look back, er, late 90s, early 2000s, you had players like Shaq, who's just absolutely dominant big man. Earlier than that, you know, you had Wilt, you had Kareem, you had Bill Russell, all these guys who were just like, they were going to play on the block and in the paint. They were not, you know, going to go outside. Well, they didn't have a three-point line back then, but, you know, they were not going to go outside and shoot jumpers. It wasn't right. going to happen. Now, if you can't do it,
0: you will not make it
2: in the league if you're big
0: and, um, and you only will, if you're this insane rim runner and you know, like this incredible shot blocker, but even then your cap of what you can make is incredibly limited.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think now, yeah, that traditional big man, that's not really a thing Dad. anymore. Um, yeah, it's not a thing anymore. You have to be able to shoot. You got to be able to, um, you do have to have some post moves, but I think that's what. And my favorite big in the league right now is Jokic. He is my favorite big in the league, just because like he's so like he looks. He should not be able to do what he's doing. I mean, just not I at mean, all. <laughs> just he makes passes, makes shots, um, and he just he's kind of like Luca. Shouldn't be able to. Yeah, you know, Luka moves so slow, and somehow people still can't guard him. But yeah, it's a. Uh, it is a weird time for um, for bigs, because like I said, it's not even, you know, I, I noticed it at the high school level, too, just coaching that. And,
0: yeah, um, I, I, think I, told this sto- I think I told this story before on the pod, but one of my favorite memories of, of the last couple of years watching basketball, uh, it was earlier this year. I think it was around Christmas time. I was at home with my parents and they put on a basketball game for me just because, we we're you know, there's nothing going on and the den and, and the Nuggets are playing. And so I, I was like, hey, dad see that guy there, the tall, you know, the tall, you know, tall center, you know, thicker guys like, yeah. What if I told you that guy's won the MVP award the last two years in a row? He looked at me and said, what? <laughs> like, yeah, like he was like, he's like, you're kidding. I'm like, no, that guy's a baller. And it, it's, it's quite, and, 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 and I think people who don't watch Jokic don't, like they just don't understand because again, it is the thing of if you're like the casual viewer, it's like that guy shouldn't be the best player on the court. but I, I think it's like you said it's like you, you all these different bigs just have all these incredible skill sets. I think if there's any player that has that has really embraced the evolution the most and I think has really encapsulated where the big position is going, I look at Brooke Lopez in Milwaukee mm-hmm. and the player that he was, the, the the incredible post player he was for the Nets. I mean, one of the best post, like, like you know, interior bigs in the entire league is now one of the best shooting bigs in the league is, is a defensive player of the year candidate as is, is, is perhaps the most valuable in his career he's ever been all because he completely shifted his game and, and evolved with the times. Right. And I, I I think, you know, like you see all these, you know, like I think, you know, like, like with the small ball lineup, it's like, how do you beat small guys who shoot threes, big guys who shoot threes.
1: Right. exactly.
0: It's as simple as that to a certain extent. But I, I mean, like, you know, you see all these teams like Memphis has multiple bigs that they're building around. Milwaukee has multiple bigs that they build around. Cleveland has multiple bigs that they build around. The Knicks have multiple bigs like, like, people are saying like you know people think we're moving away from bigs if anything we're moving to more bigs they're just playing more perimeter roles so i'm i'm excited to see where it goes real quick i would i would you know love to get your guys predictions i think this i think a great way to close the podcast let's predict our conference finals for each conference let's predict our finals prediction and as of today your pick for champion. I mean, obviously this is beginning of the playoffs Playing tournament. Hasn't even happened yet. So absolutely anything can happen, but I would love to know where your guys' thoughts are today. As far as where it's going, I'll go first. So I, so it gives you guys some time to process and think of where you want to go with it. I
1: think we're going to be identical, Sean, but go ahead.
0: I think we're going to be pretty identical here as well in the East. I have the conference finals being against the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. I thought for a while there, I thought I thought Philly really was about to have their time to get to the conference finals and to finally take that next step. Now they look like they're getting a little bit worse. James Harden's dealing with some health issues again. And let's be honest, I just have a hard time trusting James Harden from April on. I just do. So uh, that that's a thing. I do, however, don't see a world where the Milwaukee Bucks are beaten in the Eastern Conference. I have Milwaukee representing the East just because of their dominance. As good as the Celtics. I think the Celtics, if they're making their shots, if they're on fire, I think no one can stop them. The problem is you don't know when you're getting that on a consistent basis, whereas I know what I'm getting from Giannis every single night. And then in the West, I have the Phoenix Suns. They're going to be representing one part, man. This oh my, this, this the West is, is just bad. So that's. The- I mean, yeah, I mean, really, the the West is the, the West is terrible, man. I mean, if if you really like, if we're gonna pick, I I have I have the Nuggets and the Suns as as the conference finals. I think too many people are are poo pooing what the net uh, what the Nuggets have done this year. Like they're a solid team. They're not great defensively, but. I still think Jokic is good enough to get them to a conference finals, but I think we're going to be getting a, Suns, a Suns-Bucks finals again, and I think Milwaukee's going to be winning it. Uh, Chris, since you're the guest, I, 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 I am so curious to hear where your head's at as far as this playoff bracket. Who you got in the conference finals, who's your finals, and who you got? Okay, so I think
2: Eastern for me, um... Was going to be Celtics Bucks. Um, I think the big one for me was James Harden with Philly. Yeah, it's just again health issues, and I just I can't James Harden in the playoffs. Just he ain't it.
0: Well, and and just in their momentum too. Just over the last couple of weeks, they're just they're just not playing as well as they have been.
2: So typical Philadelphia when it comes to this time of year, right? Yep. Um, But I think I think Tatum's going to have a really big. Um, I think him and Jalen Brown are gonna have really big playoffs. I think the I think they might. It's probably gonna be a six seven game series in the finals. But I think the Celtics may get them to go to the finals this year. Man. Um. So Eastern Conference with the Celtics, and then I'm actually in the same boat with you in the West with Suns Nuggets. I think KD can.
0: I think single handedly probably will them. <laughs> to be honest. But I mean, and and um, then they still have Devin Booker as well, and like he, he yeah. I don't think he has to be amazing for them every night. Just go out and get 20 a game next to Kevin Durant. You'll be fine.
2: Yep. And so I think, and then I think once you get, so I I do have the Suns winning that one too, Suns Nuggets. I just don't think there's enough firepower from the Nuggets. Like you said, defensively, who's going to stop Kevin Durant. And then if you you do put him, then you've got Devin Booker. Yeah. Who's going to go get his 20, 25, 30.
0: I mean, the Nuggets, their best, their best defensive players are Bruce Brown, and Michael Porter Jr. and Michael Porter Jr. has back issues and really not that great yeah. on defense. And Bruce Brown's a shooting guard. Yeah. And so,
2: but I think so. I think it's Suns. I think you see Suns Celtics, and I. Uh, I think the if that's the case, I think the Celtics beat the Suns. There you uh, go, man. In finals, that's kind of a bold take, but
0: it is. I mean, but like I, I think it is a bold take, but like, I, I see your thinking though, because like as awesome as Phoenix is, I still feel like they need some more pieces. I feel like they need to, to bolster out their rotation. I do feel like they're a year away from being like the true juggernaut. We all think they can be right. They need one more guy. Yeah. One more guy. And, and give them a summer too. just give them a, like give Kevin Durant and Devin Booker a summer together. Good Lord. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be something, uh, not many teams are going to be able to handle it all. Yeah, 100%, man. Troy, I'd love to know your thoughts, man. Where where you're at right now? What's your bracket looking like for this playoffs?
1: I'm going to have in the East, same as you, Sean. I'm going to have a Boston and Milwaukee Eastern Conference Finals. All three of us agree on that. Yeah, but I see see a six-game series, and it's Milwaukee. Uh, Sorry, Chris, but I I just – they're unbeatable when they're healthy. They're still undefeated when they're healthy in the playoffs. Because Middleton last year uh, hurt really, really hurt them in the semis. Well, just not being present. So I, I think all of them clicking together. And if you watch, I mean, they went on a what eleven game win streak this year, right? Didn't they? It, or almost around? twenty. They like they oh, went on oh, like a seventeen
0: or eighteen game win streak. Like they. And w- there's just there's okay. Yes, you can say last
1: year the Celtics stopped Giannis, but they didn't really. St- stop him they stop the bucks right um and i, I just see full healthy i mean I, I i see milwaukee unbeatable in the east yeah and the west um phoenix for sure now i want to say denver but i could see things playoff time i know this is a very this is the most bold take i, I i've ever say made
0: it i i think i know exactly where you're going Memphis Grizzlies. What? What? <laughs> that Memphis what? Grizzlies. Memphis Grizzlies. Let me get this straight. The team, I was like, I know exactly where you're going, and then you just completely subverted my expectations. Wow. I mean, first of all, no Steven Adams for the postseason. That's going to hurt. No Brandon Clark either. You're relying on Jaron Jackson Jr. to not I'm get right. in foul trouble.
2: Right. I got faith,
1: Sean. You have it's faith. faith. It's, it's blind faith, Sean.
0: They might not even make it out of the first round, Troy. If they're gonna face the Lakers, you think to be
1: honest, I just wanted to disagree with you on one because I didn't want to have Nuggets and <laughs> uh, But um our Nuggets and uh sons. But I, I I, hey, I could see a reality where Jaw clicks, but Western Conference, you're right. It, it's but I'm still gonna take them. I'm I'm gonna roll with them. I'm not changing my mind. Uh but then I I clearly have Phoenix winning and I have a Bucks. Uh, Suns match up in the finals. And I see that game going to six and Milwaukee's going to win it. So, yeah,
0: I think, I think for me, and, and I think, you know, like not only is it the fact that we haven't seen Milwaukee yet be taken down when Chris Middleton is healthy in the playoffs. I mean, granted they had one run, but I mean, like at the same time you look at, I, I just think not only is it the fact that you have a defensive player of the year candidate on your team who might not even be your best defensive player. You have like, you know, like there's three guys who could, who could have that title. Like Brooke Lopez is, is incredible defense. Obviously Giannis doesn't get enough credit for what he does in the defensive end. But I mean, you have, I mean, the guy who who continues to get forgotten in all this drew holiday and the revelation that he is like, just how hard he He makes life on the defensive end just for anybody that he's against. And you know, like I, the the again with Boston, I just with my my the the reason why I'm so hesitant to to go their way, and you know, like and, and again, Chris, like I can't blame you for picking them just because they're they're incredible. They really are. It's just they they're not the same team defensively as they were last year. They don't have that same fire, and especially like with Marcus Smart struggling as much as he's been. Coming back from his injury, him not being the same guy that he's that that he was, like that was a really important piece to their run last year, right? Like if 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 he's the energy if, guy, yeah, exactly. He's know. the heart and soul of that team, and if the heart and soul is putting out a whimper, that affects the that affects the dynamics of your team, right? So I just I I I just you know again for it, I think after the Super Bowl, I just really was reminded of. Sometimes the answer's just right in front of your face. Like we try to be really creative and go, "Oh well, Philly—they just look like the more complete team all around." It's like, no, Patrick Mahomes is just awesome. Andy Reid's just really good. You know, it's like let's stop being creative with it. Giannis is just when I watch that guy play basketball, I just think to myself, "How do you stop that?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, like like whenever I try to like whenever I try to think of. Who's going to win the championship? It just comes down to this question in my head. It always comes back to, can this team be beaten four times in a row? Or four times. And I have an awful hard time picturing a scenario where Milwaukee's beaten by a team four times in a right. seven-game stretch. I mean, get them, get, get 11 games. Get 12 games. I could see you beat Milwaukee four times, but in set, but out of seven, like they're that good. And when push
1: comes to shove, you know, say that there is a game seven in one of those series, say Boston in the Eastern conference finals, there's no way Giannis Antetokounmpo is losing a fourth game. You know what I mean? Like he's going to be thinking about those three losses as motivation in that game seven I mean, each loss that the Bucs take this year, because I don't think they're going to go undefeated in the playoffs, right? But each loss is going to fuel all Giannis onto the Kumpo, um, I believe.
0: Well, and I guess the other piece of it as well is that when you think of a playoff run, you think of all the potential things that could happen to that roster. Like with Boston, I think of, man, Robert Williams' health is super important. Al Horford's health is super important. They need Marcus Smart to stay on the court. Even when Giannis looked like he tore his ACL, he came back the next game and dropped almost fifty. Like I like he he's like the Terminator, where like you just see him walking out of the flames and just like walking forward, like looking unfazed, like where is Santa Like that exact same like <laughs> type of like toughness and like 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 oh, this guy's dangerous. Like I just like. Giannis just terrifies me, man. There's just no other way around it. That's why, yeah, he, like, I I pray for Victor at night sometimes because that's like I just think about the matchups that we're gonna have to have against the Bucks. I mean, Wimby's the only guy in the league that's more physically intimidating than Giannis. The yeah, only one. Yeah, big time. He's
1: he is a he's just
2: a he's
0: just a freak athlete. I mean,
2: there there is no nobody you can't stop when you were asking us who's going to stop Giannis? you it's just what we what you said earlier troy is yeah you can stop the bucks but it's like you have to because Giannis is going to get his so you got to limit everybody else yeah if you're going to beat him because he's going to get his
0: yeah you know that that's the he's real strategy there. and and that's why that's why that you know boston was able to get over the hump it, it was because you know like that without that scoring threat of, of Chris Middleton, which, by the way, you know, it's not like Chris Middleton's all, like been consistently incredible this season. I don't think he's quite been the Chris Middleton of old quite yet. But, like, if Chris Middleton can still get you 17, 20 points a game, and then you talk about the other additions they made. I mean, Jay Crowder, Joe Ingles. I mean, this, I mean, just Milwaukee. I mean, even Pat Connaughton's a lot better of a player than people give him credit for. Like, this team is just stacked and you know again just when Giannis like he's the only player that can just impose his will on a game like like I think like you know like almost any like you see a lot of players like have like rough shooting nights or off performances but the way Giannis plays is so forceful so impactful that he doesn't have off nights because he just can't be stopped by anyone. It just you just can't. So, like you said, Chris, like just like you said, Chris, it's just not a it's just not a reality. It just isn't. But, guys, this was such a fun episode. This felt like uh, we were just talking before uh, the podcast. Like this felt like back like our trips to Applebee's or like some of the trips we do in college where we just all get together, order a ton of appetizers, and talk hoops and catch up. Man, this was a ton of fun, Chris. Seriously, man, thank you so much for making the time and. And coming on. We're definitely going to have to have you back on again at some point, dude. This was
2: super fun. Yeah, man. I appreciate you having me. It was a lot of fun. Like I said earlier, it's been
0: fun to see uh where it's gone since we started. It. Yeah, man. It's, it, I mean, it's, it's crazy, man. Like, it just like, like very few pod, like it's hard to get a podcast to hundred episodes, right? It, it just is. It's, it's, you know, it's hard to get a podcast to 10 episodes because it's, it's a lot of commitment. It's a lot of hard work. And, you know, just you know, again, I'm just grateful for, you know, for you, Chris, for you, Troy, for Jeff, for, but also just for all the people that have been tuning in and just, it's crazy, man. Like there's like, like there's people who tune in from around the world. Like there's multiple, like there's people from different countries who are from half court supporters. It, it's crazy to see like, like, like I had people come up and like ask to take pictures at a Motor City cruise game. Like I, I saw a guy point to his kid and go, I watch him on YouTube. I was like, what the heck? Like, this is Crazy. <laughs> Like, you know, it's, it's just, it's just unreal, man. So like, really just when I like, just like, you know, just uh, all I can think about just recording this episode is how grateful I am that we got to 100, but also excited to see where we can take this. Cause we're just getting started. But with that folks, we want to thank you so much for listening to 100 episodes of from half court and we will catch you guys next time for another episode of from half court. Be sure you're subscribed.